Today in the Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Why am I doing this? Why am I making millions of dollars if I can make millions of dollars? Is it for myself? Or am I seeing all of this as resources that I can use and invest in kingdom purposes and in kingdom priorities? That is the difference. Why are you wanting to make the money that you make? Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. If you're a Christian living in America, then you hold dual citizenship. You're a citizen of the United States, and you're also a citizen of the Kingdom of Heaven. But there's a third and much more sinister kingdom trying to steal your heart. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt warns against the trappings of the Kingdom of Money. For more teaching, visit thejourney.fm. Now here's Pastor Steve with part two of the message, King Jesus or King Money. Jesus tells us in our passage today, which is Matthew 6, 19 and following, that how we view money and how we use money are two of the clearest ways for us to know who actually is the king of our heart. So let me read our text. It's Matthew 6. We'll begin in verse 19. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, the first thing that we see here in just a summary look at this is that Jesus is talking in terms of two. You have treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. You have the good eye, and the bad eye. You have two masters, God or money, or what I'm calling today King Jesus or King money. The first thing that he says here is that material treasure will lose their value. So Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures like this, okay, because of these uncertainties. Rather, he says, lay up treasures uh, for your, up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he notes that heavenly treasure is different where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break in and steal. And then this key phrase here, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There is a place where we can invest our lives and our money and our resources and our opportunities where there is no fear of ever losing it, where there is no depreciation, where there is no robbing or stealing. And Jesus says that place is in heaven. So what is this treasure? Okay, we're talking about treasure. What is this treasure here? I want to make this clear. Treasure invested in heaven is anything that we give in this life for the king or for the kingdom. Now we're all given varying levels of this, aren't we? 
You can look around this room. We got varying levels of talents. We have varying levels of opportunities. We have varying levels economically. We have varying levels of, of, uh, of, of just horsepower, right? We're all different, okay? So not everybody is doing the same amount and the same thing, but we are all called to do it to the same extent. Now, the direct context here in Matthew 6 is financial, and that's where when Jesus says this, this is one of the keys, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, okay? So the second reason that we shouldn't hoard things for ourselves is that there is a tether between wherever my treasure goes, there goes my heart. Chandler says it this way, the thing about your money is it reveals who you really are and you can play the religious game all you want and learn all the right chatter and learn all the right things to say, but your wallet betrays you. So friends, here's, of all the things I'm gonna say this morning, this is the one thing I want you to hear, okay? And it's a question. If you were to honestly assess which kingdom would your allocation of resources show to have your allegiance? If you were to honestly assess the way you allocate your resources, which kingdom really has your allegiance? Now this raises a whole bunch of questions, doesn't it? I don't wanna deal with a few of them here. Is money therefore evil? Let's start with that one. Is money evil? And the answer to that is no. Money is actually a part of God's good creation. If we didn't have money, everything would just be bartered. There'd be no standard of, of value. And we, we'd all do that for one day and we'd say, boy, money's a wonderful thing to have, isn't it? So money is not the problem. Money itself is not, is not evil. In fact, in this world, we have to have a certain amount of money and resources to live. We need food, we need shelter, we need clothing, we need cell phones. I mean, I'm just pointing out a little sarcastically there. When you get down to needs, the needless is fairly short. But we need money for those things, don't we? So money, again, not the problem. It is not evil. Where's the problem? The problem is in our hearts. Here is where a good thing that God has made becomes an evil thing in my evil heart because a sinful heart wants to take anything, really, that can show its own worth or value and to use it in selfish ways. That's why Jesus says, do not uh, lay up treasures for yourselves, okay? For yourselves is the point. And money so easily enhances our sense of self-worth. Here again, Paul Tripp, money is one of God's good creations, but this good thing becomes a bad thing for you when it becomes a ruling thing. You simply cannot serve the king of kings and have the acquisition of wealth as the organizing dream of your heart. That's a powerful statement right there. So this is not a rich people problem. There should be no class warfare in the church of Jesus Christ. This is not about the haves and the have-nots at all. Loving money comes in many forms and in many socioeconomic categories. Some examples of loving money, obsessive couponing, obsessive penny-pinching, resentment of the people that have if you think that you have not and a demanding, graceless spirit about money. 
like a former member of our church that I happened to be standing in line at the grocery store and watched him berate the checkout lady for making a mistake on his, on her scan, on his, on her bill. Just the whole store watching him. It was completely embarrassing. He stormed away. What do you think about that? That guy loves money. It's really important to him. And that sort of graceless, it's all about the money, show me the money. That's the kingdom of man, right? That's the kingdom of Satan. Satan is a taker. He is not a giver. He took the angels. He took paradise. He took Adam and Eve. He took all of creation. He is a taker, but God is a giver. God is love. Love is self-giving for the good and joy of another. That is the ethic of the kingdom of God. It is magnanimous spirit. It is generosity. That is the ethic of the citizen of the kingdom of God. So money is not the evil. It is our hearts that are evil. And that is what makes money so dangerous. Or as Jesus says, deceitful. The deceitfulness of riches. Let's answer this question. Is having money uh, sinful? Okay, again, the answer is no. No one in the Bible is condemned for having money. In fact, some of the heroes of the Bible had a lot of money. You read Proverbs, and there's a lot in there about working hard and getting ahead and managing your fields and things like that, work ethic, etc. All of that is good. Some of the key people in the Bible that were financially wealthy, Abraham, David, Solomon, Joseph of Arimathea, Lydia, Priscilla, and Aquila, many others, okay? They're not condemned for their financial success, and we shouldn't condemn people in the church for their financial success. Further, the Bible actually endorses the ownership of personal property. It's in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. It's not bad. It's a good thing. It's part of God's plan. In fact, the Bible goes so far as to endorse the enjoyment of riches. Here's 1 Timothy 6, 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Don't have time to get into that, but <clears throat> it's very interesting. So we can't just pick one verse in Matthew 6 and go, this is the, all the Bible has to say about money because it's not. But here's what's true. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. So what Jesus is saying here doesn't co contradict what Paul writes in 1 Timothy or any other passage about money in the Bible, okay? What, are, what, what is he saying here? John Stott, in a word, to lay up treasure on earth does not mean being provident, or we might say prudent, which is making sensible provision for the future, but being covetous, like misers who hoard and materialists who always want more. That's what Jesus is condemning here. In fact, let's explore this a little bit more. What is he warning against? He is warning against a life motivation for money, where that is the priority of why I do what I do. This is, again, this is the heart level. This is allegiance. This is loyalty. Citizens of the kingdom of God. Friends, listen, we have been freed from that way of thinking. That's the way of the old man. That's, that's the card thing. You know, that's like loved money. Don't love money anymore, right? That's the grace of God in us, freeing us from living materialistically in this world and thinking this is what it's all about. Now, we have to live materially because we are material. We live in a material world, but it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil, right? It's not the money. It is the love of money. 
that gets us and reveals where our actual allegiance lies and what kingdom I actually am a part of. You know, in the world that we live in, everything's monetized, right? Everyone's, how much is he worth? How much is he worth, right? As if money defines what the worth of a human being is, which of course is ludicrous. But that's the world that we live in. Everything's monetized. Everything's financial. Everything's about money. Nobody is saved by what they do with money. Nobody's saved by what they do with their money. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Okay, that's salvation. But that heart that has bowed to Jesus as Lord now views all that they have as a part of this kingdom that I've now become a part of, and Jesus is the king of it. That's what it means to be a citizen, not how you become a citizen, but what it means to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God, to have allegiance to Jesus as the king. This is the prayer that Jesus taught us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever connected that prayer with your money? What's the priority of my life? I want I want kingdom priorities. I want the kingdom to come. I want his will to be done. Does that include your money? Again, Jesus doesn't say here, don't lay up treasure on earth. That's not what he says. Praise God for people that are really good at laying up treasure on earth. I, I would that everyone here was fabulously financially wealthy. I can say that, okay? It'd be great. And everybody here could, uh, had kingdom priorities. Think of what we could do. That'd be awesome, okay? So if God has enabled you to make a ton of money, praise the Lord. That's not the issue. It is when we lay up treasure for yourselves. That's the motivation issue. Why am I doing this? Why am I making millions of dollars if I can make millions of dollars? Is it for myself? Or am I seeing all of this as resources that I can use and invest in kingdom purposes and in kingdom priorities. That is the difference. Why are you wanting to make the money that you make? That is the issue. Two guys can make a million dollars. The one buys indicators of wealth and status. It's all about him. The other one, like the ant in Proverbs, stores up for winter, realizes he has certain needs, things he has to have planned for, the provident, as John Stott said but he views all of the extra as like kingdom play money. Who can I bless? What can I do? How can I invest this for maximum impact? One is serving King money and one is serving King Jesus. So my goal in this message is in my own heart and in yours to dethrone King money, okay? Money is like one of the last bondages to go. Our hearts will fight this one to the death, okay? King money. So how do we dethrone king money in our hearts? And this is always hard to talk about because if I stay up in the clouds on a subject like this, then there's people they are like, I don't know how to apply what you're talking about. Could you have been a little more practical? But if I get practical, I have people that are upset because they're like, you're meddling. That was a little too practical. Could we get a little more ethereal and philosophical on this? Because I don't feel quite as convicted. So I'm walking a fine line here uh, because whenever you talk about money, people get funny. 
It's because we love it so much, okay? So how do we honor God? How do we honor Jesus as king of our money? And I want to emphasize that this starts in our hearts. You can do a few of the practical things I'm going to share here and still go to hell or still be displeasing to, to Jesus. If you're just doing it out of a religious like, I'm gonna do this and I think it's gonna somehow merit favor with God. It's not that at all. It is a heart that has been changed and is loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, okay? So God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. We need him way more than he needs us, amen? Okay. So practically speaking, how do we dethrone king money? And I would suggest that each of us look at our financial world in terms of living, savings, and giving, okay? Three categories, living, savings, and giving. And to realize that nothing dethrones king money better than giving to King Jesus' priorities. King money hates it when we do that. It dethrones him, okay? So how do we do this? Well, we do it by making King Jesus the first priority in our budget. Not the second, not the leftovers, not if I get around to it. We seek first the king and his righteousness by making him the priority of our financial life. Now that is not to say that we don't have a lot of other needs, right? We have a lot of real needs and necessities. And so how do we balance all of this? Or how much do I give? That's the question. I'll do a message like this. People say, how much do I got to give? Nobody can answer that for you. Nobody. I can't answer that. Okay. And I'm not going to pretend to. But here's what I would suggest to you, just as a practical way to get the ball rolling. And I'm thankful for my friend, Pastor Chad Moore on this. How do you just sort of get it going? Here's what I would suggest. 10, 10, 80. Okay, simple. 10, 10, 80. Take the first 10% of your income and give it to God. Take the second 10% and save it. Take the 80 and live on it. Okay, now these are sort of training wheels, okay? You might be wanting a more complicated, Dave Ramsey says, blah, blah, blah. But this is just simple, okay? Very, very simple. Young people and young couples, maybe you're getting going, you're sort of getting your life together right now. How do we get this going? 10, 10, 80. Again, take 10, first 10%, give it to God. Take the second 10% and save it. Take the third percent and live on it. Or the, the third 80%. Now, why do I say that? Because when I give the first 10% to God, it honors God. When I save 10%, it builds wisdom. And when I live on 80, it builds contentment, okay? Now, these are just starting points. God might enable you to give a lot more than that. And I would suspect we have many mature Christians in our church who do just that, okay? But as far as a kind of starting point, make it a starting point, not an ending point, this is what I would suggest. Here's the real question, I think, is this. As I talk about this, do you want to do that? Do you want to? Now, you might be going, ah, I can't, I got this, price, expense, student loans, la, 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 la. Okay, set all that aside. But in your heart, do you want to? Or are you chafing at it somehow? Mad about it? 
And again, this is where the heart is the issue, okay? Who has the allegiance of your heart? Who is really the king of your life? Which kingdom are you actually in? You might say, if I made more money, I would give more. You know what all the studies show? The more people make, the less they give. Every survey shows that, okay? So that clearly, it doesn't work that way. The question is not how much you make, but how you steward what God gives to you. That is the real issue. Now, I was blessed, the family that I grew up in, I was blessed to have a dad every Sunday I saw him give to God. Made the check out in the morning before we went to church. I sat there next to him. Here came the offering plate. This is back in the day before digital giving. Okay, Stone Age, right? We do it as well here still, but I'd watch him give his offering uh, to the Lord. I had a dollar a week allowance, and we were required to put a dime in the offering plate every week, which a little law for kids is okay, all right? Uh, but what it did for, for me and I suppose my siblings is it created a habit and an expectation, a lifestyle that has carried me all of these years. Parents, you're in such a wonderful position for your children to develop habits that will allow them to be rich in eternity. Parents, do you want your kids to have treasure in heaven? Your life and your example will be a powerful influence on the way that they view money and they view what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I think all of us should ask this question, where is my treasure? What would my checkbook indicate about what I really love? Who really is the king of my heart? Will I be rich in the one place that matters and that is eternity? I'd love it, I, I would love it if everybody here was financially prospered and blessed. I truly would. It'd be exciting for me. We shouldn't be mad at anybody that does. If somebody gets a windfall, praise God, okay? But the real question is, will we be rich in eternity? And I greatly desire for every member of the church that I've had the privilege of pastoring to someday have great treasure in heaven and great reward from God. I covet that. I desire that. I want that for myself. And it's one reason we talk about it on occasion. We don't want to miss that this is really an important thing, okay? Eternity and our experience there weighs in the balance. Where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. So citizens of the kingdom of God, I pray that you'll take this to heart, okay? Pray that you'll take this to heart and to be rich someday, okay? Be rich someday. Tim be the glory. Amen. You're listening to Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey in a challenging message called King Jesus or King Money. It's the final message in our five-week study called Living the Generous Life. And you can go back and listen to any of the messages you've missed by going to thejourney.fm. That's thejourney.fm. Well, I want to take this opportunity to thank our ministry partners. Your faithful financial support allows the journey to air on stations throughout the central U.S. and the Midwest. And we're also able to reach listeners across the globe through the Moody Radio Network and all major podcast platforms. So as we stand on the precipice of a new year, would you help set us on firm financial ground by giving a special year-end gift? Your donation of any amount will help bring the gospel to listeners around the world. You can give online at thejourney.fm or call 844 844- 7 journey that's 
800-800-8763. When you do, we'll say thanks by sending you a book called The Treasure Principle, written by best-selling author Randy Elkhorn. This book has transformed how millions of Christians view giving, and this revised and updated edition features an additional chapter plus a bonus section addressing frequently asked questions about how to live generously in everyday life. Request your copy of The Treasure Principle and learn how to store up your treasure in heaven, where it will last forever. Call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're online, be sure to sign up to receive updates from The Journey. Just scroll to the box at the bottom of the page and then enter your name and email. And if you'd like to connect with us on Facebook or via email, You'll find those links at the top of the page. I'm Tim Svoboda. Be sure to join us next time for more teaching from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.